Hey, this is Tom Atona, Bullet Club original, OG, triple, triple, O freaking G, New Japan pro wrestling athlete, and you're listening to Wrestle In. And last time, which has been like a year since you've been on, we talked a lot about video games, which is uh, your area of expertise. And it is a really one of my most fun episodes. We talked about wrestlers who deserve their own video games. So I'll definitely check that out. Carol, any really good games you've been playing lately? Yeah, so um, I actually just finished up Bayonetta 3. Um, so that was really fun to play action-wise. I like the gameplay of that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I tried out the demo for Octopath Traveler 2 on the Switch. And it's weird because, like, I don't know if you've played it, but um, no. the it's like a RPG made by Square Enix. And, like, you follow... Um, eight different characters they have stories and they kind of like overlap with each other but um I wasn't a fan of the first game as much I like the aesthetics I like what they were doing but um I felt like some of the gameplay was kind of off and the stories especially kind of just like felt disjointed and I can't believe that like from playing the demo the second game actually fixes a lot of the issues I had with the first so I actually think I'm gonna pick it up which is a good thing so maybe they're listening to people who um had the same thoughts but that sounds super interesting i feel like i just i'm so not locked into that world i don't know what to pick up so i always just like play stuff from like 10 years ago that i liked Mm -hmm. um and i i need more recommendations so i need to i guess i need to follow you more and just uh (laughs) talk to you more because that different narrative paths i like the sound of that um yeah so We'll get some match recommendations today and hopefully some some games here and there. <laughs> it's best, best of both worlds. And um, I I asked you off air, you said you, said you haven't done a YouTube channel in a, your YouTube channel in a long time, but I I definitely enjoyed it. Um, so I'm going to put that in the universe if you ever feel inspired again. You just, you're very, um, just felt like, a buddy is just sitting there talking to you about games or um, wrestling merch. So I was definitely a fan. I really appreciate hearing that. Like, um, obviously, because of real life obstacles, it's mm-hmm. not as feasible as I can just because of like the time that it takes to like put in a channel. And like, sure. I have a lot of friends who do work in like the YouTube side of like gaming and it takes so much dedication to like just make videos and to create content and edit it. So I have mm-hmm. like a massive amount of respect for people who like do that as like a full-time job or even as a hobby in general. Um, but for you to like say that just, I really appreciate that. Oh, good. So I'll definitely like keep that in mind if I ever have the <laughs> time to do that again. <laughs> yeah, I feel you though. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have a lot of projects where I'm like, I wish I had time, energy, uh, space in my mm-hmm. life to do it. Um, so maybe eventually. Uh, before we get into our top fives here, let's talk about the Patreon real quick. For just a dollar a month, you can get early access to shows like Provision, All Elite Listening, and the Ocean Cyclone Show, plus exclusive access to Into the Wrestleverse, which is only on Patreon. And there are more perks in the works, like New Japan TV. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash WrestleINN. So our topic today is the top five matches that have made you emotional, which is quite open-ended. I mean, 
many emotions and, and many ways that a match could do that for you. The story, the wrestlers. Um, Carol, what sort of things kind of give you the feels when you are watching wrestling? Yeah, so I love stories. I love fiction. Mm -hmm. I would get lost in tons of fictional worlds when I was a kid and I would write like fanfic of my favorite like games and stuff like that. So like um I really love how wrestling can be seen as like another medium to tell these stories. And um I find that um matches that make me emotional tend to be ones that do like lean on the stronger storytelling aspects mm -hmm. that wrestling does. Whether that's like a character arc that just progressed over the years or a friendship that might have gone wrong or someone trying to prove themselves. I feel like there's a ton of fictional tropes that can be applied to wrestling and has been applied to wrestling. And oh, it's just amazing when all of that just pays off. Yeah. Um, and I, I can see, you know, I know you're a big fan of AEW, which is the weirdest thing when people comment that, that AEW doesn't tell stories when that is to me, their, their real strength. They're like setting up long-term things. The Hangman Page story, for example. I don't. I'm not a big follower of the promotion, but I pop in every once in a while, and I follow that story, and I was very invested. Um, mm -hmm. They do a super good job on the ones that I've seen. I have. I don't see a lot of the undercard ones or the smaller ones, but um, MJF and Punk seem like one of the best ones ever. So yes, um, yeah, I'm on board there. What about? Um, blood in a in a match does that kind of elevate your emotion or turn you away from it how you feel on that side of things i feel like it's a great way to like um elevate a story but it mm -hmm. depends on partially like how you use it and when you use it um not to like get into like the current things but um i feel like aew has been using like a lot of blood in their matches weekly and I feel like it's not it's not the sense that like I get disgusted by seeing it. It's mm -hmm. like it's losing the impact uh -huh. yeah. that I see. And obviously, like if you're using blood, obviously use it safely, use it in the right way, as long as people are fine after they're using it, cool. But I just feel like if you oversaturate it too much, it kind of like loses its effect. That's why there's the whole meme of like, oh well, John Moxley blood again. <laughs> when you said that's the first person that came to mind, I was like, every every time I've seen him recently it's like oh he's all he's he's bloodied once more um mm -hmm. he very much taking the like the old dusty roads and rick flair um late 80s where like every main event was a big bloody like why those guys have like crazy scars on their head because they did that like every night in every town but then the same people weren't watching those matches so that's a different situation where everyone is seeing John Moxley um, overuse the blood. So mm -hmm. we'll see if that comes up on our list here. I I do have, I have two bloodier ones on my list. I, um, I have a bloodier, bloody mm, one too. <laughs> okay, so it's a little tease. Mm -hmm. um, was this a hard list to narrow down or harder to, to fill out? No, actually. I knew my I knew my five pretty much off the bat. Okay. Um, some some are more recent. Some are obviously from when I was like a kid. It's funny because mm. like I feel like all the matches that I pick, like my top five, I've seen throughout different stages of my life. One of them is from like 
the first year that I watched wrestling. One of them is like from my teenage years. One of them is from when I was in college, you know, and one of them is like Hmm. as recent as like last month. (laughs) So it's just really cool to see how my taste in storytelling and how my taste in matches has just evolved over time. And I don't know if you had like a similar experience. Um, I struggled in the sense that there were like big rivalries or bigger stories where mm-hmm. the whole thing may be emotional and I couldn't pick which match. You know, it's like this feud like really gets me. I was like, which match in particular should I pick? So that that was more of the struggle. Um, and I didn't go as much time-wise. It's like a lot of them are, I will say more recent, but I'm looking at 2010s and stuff. 2010 still <laughs> seems like last few years, but it is not anymore. Right. Um, but I didn't do as much childhood stuff, um, which is surprising because as a kid watching wrestling, you just get caught up in it more. You're not fantasy booking. You're not uh, so worried about, you know, who wins and loses. You're just cheering on the whole spectacle. So um, in retrospect, surprised that it's not more older stuff, but um yeah, I surprised myself. Well, let's get into the honorable mentions. If you have any, Carol, any things that didn't quite make the list? Yes, actually. So um, I just want to shout out um, Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston from WrestleMania. Ah, Kofi Mania. That's a classic. I love the storytelling here um, just because um, it's wild because Kofi has just always been an athlete that's been in the WWE for so many years and he really pushed himself and he's an incredible athlete. He's been with the New Day for a mm-hmm. long time and going into this match, as long as he's been in the company, he was like the underdog to um, Daniel Bryan's like yeah. character. And if you even analyze that, like Daniel Bryan's character in that Kofi Kingston story is the reverse of Daniel Bryan's character in WrestleMania 30. Mm-hmm. Because while Daniel Bryan was the underdog trying to get all the titles and people were cheering for him and he had to fight through Batista and Triple H, now he is the villain. Like it's literally the embodying living trope of you've lived long enough for, to see yourself become the villain. And I think like seeing that reverse characterization on him made that match even more emotional for me. And you have these two characters yeah. that just have such an excellent character arc and really contradicted each other, just good foils that created a really good match. And I mean, I think to a really great moment at the end, like a crowning achievement or big win, that can really help in the emotional department. And um, Kofi's win is definitely on that list. So um, mm-hmm. I feel that. Did you have another one as well? Um, that's pretty much all I had. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so, I was like, is Kobe Mania my top five? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to put it as an honorable Number mention. six, number six. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's a good yep. spot. Um, I thought of Shibata versus Okada. Ooh. It's one of those hard matches where you feel complicit enjoying it because you know how much damage is being done. Real life damage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as bad now that Shibata is healthy and like coming back, but earlier on, you're like, oh, we like ruined this guy's career. Like he almost died. Mm-hmm. So watching that back again, seeing those headbutts 
it's um, a very negative emotion, like, uh, you know, trepidation, fear, um, guilt, <laughs> all those things. But still, it's like so good wrestling wise. That I'm like loving the action and loving the, you know, the back and forth. So it's just a very complicated feeling to watch that. I think that's true in general for wrestling. Where I'm yes. like, I know these people are putting themselves through hell and I'm accepting of that. But that's like a very extreme example where a guy went to the hospital and could have died. Um, for sure. So just like thinking of that as like, oh. Um, on the opposite end of that, the first Women's Royal Rumble was like at a moment of exhilaration and joy and celebration and like was so happy to see that happen. You know, I'd been pushing. I'm like, guys, can we please put American women like in a position to succeed? Mm -hmm. I just never thought WWE would do that. And then they slowly, you know, went in that direction. Like the Evolution pay-per-view, the May Classic. And then to have a women's rumble and bring up, bring back a lot of those wrestlers that were not back in the days, but, you know, from the past. Yeah. Uh, and just, it was just a celebration of women's wrestling and where that was going. So there's another one that's similar vibes on my top five, but that's why the rumble um, was in the conversation for me. Yeah. And like, I'm just thinking of like all the women that have just represented different eras of WWE in the past, just coming back for that rumble mm -hmm. and the fact that like it may have ended the whole show. And that was just really yeah. incredible to see like the amount of talent and how like things have changed in the industry over so many years. And it's one of the few things I could get my, my oldest daughter to watch wrestling wise. She's, like, <laughs> she's not a sports person. She's not a wrestling person. And I was like, there's this match with all these women and they're like, and it's like, it's, it's, it's easier to consume as a, as a non-fan because it's a, a very simple story. People come out, they throw each other out. Um, yeah. So she got invested in that. Um, and then she was like, oh, I want Alexa Bliss to win. And I was like, sorry, girl, that is not going to happen. Um, <laughs> no way that's happening. And she got really emotional about that. And I was like, well, welcome to, <laughs> welcome to fandom. Um, Aw. But then, then she forgot about it and went on to her, her other interest and never came back. But for a brief moment, she was a fan. Um, okay, let's get into the, the real top fives here. The chances of us having the same one, I feel like pretty unlikely, but you never know. Um, okay. We have not seen each other's list. Uh, so this is a surprise nope. for both of us. Um, Kara, what was your number five? match that makes you emotional so the number five match that makes me emotional is one from my childhood it was within the first six or seven months that i started watching wrestling and it was the triple threat for the world heavyweight championship at wrestlemania 22 which was Rey mysterio versus randy orton versus kurt angle and oh. it's a really interesting choice and it's a it's it's a very interesting story that's kind of been polarizing nowadays between fans and the community um and like whether you want to like talk about like oh well Rey Mysterio won the Royal Rumble but it was only because of like Eddie Guerrero like mm -hmm. dying and they were trying to like exploit that and it's really weird because like I was nine when this happened 
And I had no sense of like online discussion or what, how that was even being received. I was a kid when this happened. And so to me, it was like, oh, well, Ray's going to do this for Eddie. This is all totally real. And Randy Orton was like the first heel that I vehemently like did not like at all. Oh my Um. gosh. Like when he said that line on SmackDown, I was like, oh no, that's horrible. How could he say that Um, about Eddie? Yeah. And going into that mania, I remember following like the story very closely or as much as I could as like a nine-year-old and like seeing that match. It wasn't like the best match ever. Um, I can think of like other like mania matches or just wrestling matches in general that I enjoyed quite more. But I think that was like one of the moments as like a kid that I knew that like wrestling was something for me because mm-hmm. taking away like the suspension of disbelief was more present for me back then. And I think seeing all of that tropes play out um, as polarizing as it was in a weird way kind of made me like understand why I liked wrestling and what kinds of like story elements and tropes contributed to like my enjoyment of it. Even if I didn't know exactly what it was back then and how I couldn't like quantify it into words, mm-hmm. it was just, I think it was one of the first moments that wrestling clicked for me. So very interesting choice, but yeah, I mean. yeah, I was definitely surprised. Um, but I mean, because it comes down to like the basic cornerstone of wrestling, which is a like good versus evil, or someone trying to overcome someone else. And and Rey Mysterio, one of the better baby faces in history, and someone I could definitely see as a kid. You're like super into because the look, the style is very kid friendly. Um, you you've made me feel quite old um you were nine at that time but um that's not your fault Mm -hmm. um so we started with some mixed emotions there too because you're like sad about eddie happy for ray um okay good start here um my number five is hyper masao versus Rika Tatsumi from Best Regards 2019. She actually wasn't Hyper Masao at this time. So Hyper Masao, generally when she's her normal self, is this uh, peace and love superhero with big green uh, and purple outfit. Mm-hmm. And she jo- she became a heel and joined this um, villainous uh, crew, took her mask off and became like the dark version of herself. Wow. And Rika was like, come back to the, you know, come back to the, the good side. Come back to the light and try, just try to get her on. And, and that was like a really great story up to this point. Mm-hmm. And they finally get this match. And Rika's like, I'm going to fight you to get you to come back to your good self, which is very much a comic book thing or like a wrestling thing. We'll just solve yeah. everything through fighting, even <laughs> like <laughs> re- re- reclaiming your goodness um so there's all these little nuggets in it where these references to what masao used to be there's mm-hmm. these um chocolate puffs that uh, were really important to masao when she was um she was going through a rough time in her real life and like that's the only thing she ate wow. so she talked about that um and a, uh, it led to this match with June Kasai where there's like a Chaco Puff eating match. So she was like, let's make it one of those matches to, to bring that back oh up. Um, then she brought out 
Hyper Masao's um, crazy bicycle with has all these colors and, you know, all fixed up. She used that against her to kind of jar her memory and, and all this, the chair shots and the tricks and stuff. And, and after she beats Masao, there's like this fist bump that symbolizes like Masao's like, okay, yeah, I, you know, I feel you, I'm back. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually she puts the mask back on and comes back to herself. Um, but that's like one of my favorite stories in general. Um, and that's the kind of story that got me really into Tokyo Joshi where some places the wrestling is better but that's such a unique and weird and engrossing story. Um, so if you haven't seen that, I would say there's a video that tells the story of Hyper Masao on YouTube. I think it's like, we need a hero, Hyper Masao. Yeah. It's a really good way to like catch up on all of it. Um, and then like watch that match proper is my recommendation. Yeah, because I've been diving into um, Tokyo Joshi lately, and Hyper Masao is one of the ones that like really stood out to me, and mm. I really liked, um, I really liked her character. So I had no idea that like she kind of went to the dark side for a bit. So I'm yeah. actually really intrigued. I will have to check that out. And she looks so she looks so different. Like her hair is longer, mm -hmm. and the mask is off. And I'm like, is this the yeah. is this the same person? Um, so it definitely feels like not just a character like. You know, and now I'm a bad guy. It feels like a <laughs> transformation. Um, yes. So definitely interesting there. Uh, what about your number four? All right. Okay. So my number four, we're going, we're going like in, in the completely opposite direction. Okay. So these are like two absolutes. So while number five took place, like in my childhood, number four took place last month. So this is definitely more recent. And that is Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber. And I know it's a more recent example, mm -hmm. but um, I think WWE did an excellent and I would say phenomenal job just building that character up with Sami Zayn and making him the baby face. It really, he really, really reminded me of like 99 Mick Foley in just how he was represented and how he's this underdog and how everyone loves him. And to have such a heartbreaking match with so many near falls and so many close calls, I didn't even know that match like lasted half an hour. It kind of felt like forever, but at the same time, time was flying. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um, the Bloodline storyline has been going on for like years. And while it hasn't been like consistent um, what they had been doing with Sami Zayn in the last year really like picked it up again and now there's so many like different overarching character arcs and there's like layers with the Usos and it's still ongoing now mm -hmm. um, so you know just I know it's recent but it really is that good it really I mean, it makes sense um, from what I've heard about and seen of that um, I you know, I'm a, kind of an outsider in the WWE right now. And when I see something trending or people talking about it, I'll then like go take a peek. And the Sami Zayn story is something that I saw more people talking about than other things. Um, and I just felt, I felt everyone's desire for him to win. 
mm-hmm. more more than I've seen other other Roman Reigns challengers. Um, and then also the heartbreak of him not winning. So yep. it's not a surprise that there's all those emotions because you're you're pulling for him so hard and then you don't get what you want. And he's just so good at all the emotional side of things. His NXT run is like um, one of my favorite little stretches of wrestling. His um, El, Gen- El Generico run is going to come up later today on the, the list. And mm-hmm. I haven't caught up so much with the, the current stuff, but it's like very much critically acclaimed. Yes. Um, so you're making me want to watch WWE, which is um, like rare. if there is so here I am. Like if there is any one thing that you should watch from the WWE, I would highly just recommend the storyline. I think it's the best storytelling that WWE has done in like a decade, even more. Mm. Um, if you okay. really want to like count it, and I'm like sure. trying not to like overhype it or anything, but I think it really is like that good. Put it on the list, um, <laughs> the long list of watch lists, but um, you're not the only one. I, I've seen a lot about that. So happy to happy to jump in. Um, I went NXT for my number four. Sasha Banks versus Bailey, NXT Brooklyn 2015. Oh, that's a good choice. That so is kind a very of good all choice. the things mm-hmm. I said about the yep. Women's Rumble is similar to this. And you know, I was covering WWE at the time for Beach Report. So like following every single thing and writing everything. And I just, I was like, I feel like this is going to be special. Like I could feel it just like seeing everything converge. These talents are just like rising. This match is going to be awesome. And I wrote like, oh, I think this might be a a match of the year contender. And they hit and surpassed all the expectations that you'd want. And it was mm-hmm. like, just so happy to see the women's division go in this direction to get yeah. this moment and for these two women to like, to nail it. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of both of them. And Bailey is just so good at um, the baby face role and, and you want to cheer for her. She's so likable. And even though I was like a fan of Banks, I'm like, can we, can we get, can we get Bailey to win? Can she overcome? And there's that, that moment where she's reaching for the ropes and Sasha Banks is just like stomping on her hand. And you're like, oh no, <laughs> she's mm-hmm. not going to get it. Uh, but she ultimately does. So you have the big moment, the great match. The crowd is nuts. Um, historical perspective. And it's one of the matches that I will rewatch um, and still feel a lot of the same stuff that I did first time out. And I think like, one of the reasons why that match is just so impactful is because Sasha and Bailey just have this connection together. We've mm-hmm. seen them tag afterwards. They have this, they've had this super, super close friendship that's existed for years. And like, um, it was really awesome for Bailey to even come out for Mercedes debut in um, New Japan oh, yeah. and for Bailey to come to um, New Japan Battle in the Valley to see Mercedes t- take on Kyrie, And it's just like, for an industry that can be like so egotistical and kind of dark, it's really amazing to see friendships like the ones that Mercedes and Bailey have at the moment mm-hmm. to just really stay strong throughout the years. That's really rare in wrestling. And you can tell 
I think too, mm-hmm. like um, when you put two people together and say, hey, be on screen friends, um, it's not the same as when people are like super close, you know, Triple H and um, Shawn Michaels, uh, you can feel that. Mm-hmm. Sami Zayn and Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, um, there's like these deep, real bonds. Um, mm-hmm. So Banks and Bailey for sure on that front. Um, so you went very recent. And then when you were nine years old, where did you head for number three? So number three, we're going to time travel again to my teenage <laughs> years. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to kind of go in the middle. So Perfect. Um, this match, um, if the World Heavyweight Championship triple threat exposed me to storytelling that I couldn't put into words yet, then my number three prick is the match. And I've told this to friends before, like if someone asked me, like, when did you realize wrestling had an incredible storytelling like aspect to it? It was Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker 2. So the WrestleMania, the second WrestleMania one, right? Yes, the second WrestleMania mm-hmm. one. And it's a really pivotal match for me because um, Shawn was my favorite throughout my childhood. So from the moment I started watching wrestling to this match, Shawn was like my absolute number one favorite. I loved him a lot. And his storyline going into this match was just very emotional because um, he had accomplished everything in his career. He had Grand Slam titles. And the one thing that he couldn't do was beat the Undertaker's streak. And so what we're seeing on screen is not only someone who's obsessed with beating the streak, but also someone who is vulnerable. And it's it was really jarring for me as someone who was going through puberty and adolescence at this time, I was transitioning into high school, someone who's just trying to still figure out who I am mm-hmm. at that age, as you know. And to see your childhood hero be vulnerable in that moment and to tr- also figure out like what he's even doing was just so impactful to me. Ooh, and yes. Yeah. So I think that was like a big reason why that storyline just kind of hit me as hard as it did and then he ended up retiring after the match and oh my gosh I was like I was like a mess because like I had this crisis where I was like what do I do my favorite wrestler's like <laughs> gone what do done. I do yeah yeah so like that also added to the feels of this match it's the first wrestling match that's made me cry because the mm. finish was just so powerful and invoked a lot of storytelling into it and I remember like the the bell the bell rang and I was just there was a moment where I was like did he lose and Mm. I was like oh no he lost and I was just like crying and stuff (laughs) so yeah yeah I mean you have this like very rare opportunity for the stakes to be so high Mm -hmm. the career versus the streak and Undertaker streak um, was such a great plot device, um, which they kind of like figured out later on. Like they didn't plan it. They're like, hey, he's got a lot of um, wins in a row. Let's, let's start using that. Mm-hmm. And it was like the best part of WrestleMania often. Like, is it going to continue? And then to double that with, we're going to see the end of Shawn Michaels. So I could definitely see that. And that story of him being obsessed and like chasing the undertaker and like do whatever he can to like to redeem himself um 
That's a great pick. I feel I feel that for sure. So let's head to my number three, Kevin Steen versus El Generico, Final Battle 2010. When oh, I was saying that I couldn't nice. decide which mm-hmm. match, this is where I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Where you could pick their WWE matches, um, their NXT matches, or their Ring of Honor. Uh, but this was like a really great point in their story. Um, I really like the friends become enemies trope. Yes. And I don't know if anybody has done that better than these two. I mean, it's so good that they continue to do it forever in different companies, um, you know, 10 years afterwards. Um, but you start with, they're like spitting each other's faces and you can just, I mean, you can feel the emotion, the like, hatred. And El Generico is out for like his pound of flesh and you mm-hmm. wanted him so bad to to punish the villain here and like just cr- crush this guy um and this is a case where blood is sort of a very powerful thing the the image of el generico's eye all bloody and the mask is all yeah. torn up mm-hmm. it's like really super powerful um they use the ladders the chairs the apron like anything and everything to make this big epic, but really the heart of it is the story of two friends who now hate each other. Um, and I don't know if people have done that better than, than these two. That's really good. Like Kevin and Sammy, we're getting connecting back to my own list in a way they've been friends for like forever. They've been friends for mm-hmm. like decades. Mm-hmm. I think they like started out like together or at least near together. And like I said before with like uh, Sasha and Bailey, like if you know someone for a long time and just not only understand their athletic rhetoric, but also know what kind of storytelling tropes make them tick and how mm-hmm. and why they develop stories. And if you know your opponent that well, you can create really amazing stuff um, to kind of just like veer off for a quick second. Part of the reason why um, the best of seven series with um, the elite and um, Death Triangle worked really well at AEW was because they had that familiarity with each mm-hmm. other where they know each other for years. They've worked with each other in so many different environments. They're like, hey, so we can do this, 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 and we can just be <laughs> innovative and have a way to just keep everyone's interest going for a long time, which somehow they did in second consecutive matches. And I could see the same thing with Sammy and Kevin, obviously, where um, they have that chemistry with each other. Mm, it's just so instant. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's it's um it's something that I guess the promoter is hoping for every time mm-hmm. you put two guys two, together and just like all right, cross your fingers, see what happens. Um, and a lot of times it's fine, but then sometimes there's magic. Um, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, like you just mentioned, I think it's another set of people that um, they work together so well, and there's just there's something that really really clicks there. So that's a pattern I'm seeing so far. Um, <laughs> let's see if that continues with your number two. It does continue with my number two. Mm-hmm. So um, my two, my number two and my number one pick all take place like in the same realm of wrestling and my may or may not involve the same people. Okay. But, um, my number two pick is um, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in the Lights Out match from Full Gear 2019. And the reason why I picked this match was because um, they're both my two favorite, I guess, modern, quote unquote, 
wrestlers Mm -hmm. because it's a tale of two people who just want to destroy each other but it's also a tale of two people who come from different sides of the wrestling industry you have john moxley who had been in wwe for so many years with the shield and um, felt that creative frustration with his character and then decided to go to AEW. And he has a lot of like mainstream attention, at least in the American wrestling scene. And on the other hand, you have Kenny Omega, who really is rooted in a lot of the independent scene in the last few years up to this point and came through New Japan and really reinvigorated the international scene for Japanese wrestling. And he's never like, he's never like, been so much of a spotlight in American wrestling before like he'd mm-hmm. done like Ring of Honor stuff he'd done like independent promotions he'd done like New Japan shows in America but he had never been a part of like WWE he's never had that huge mainstream exposure and AEW is that sh- chance for him to do that and for him to have that match with Jericho at Double or Nothing and for him to finally have that moment where he could show everyone that he's worthy of being like that mainstream of a star in the United States only for John Moxley to come in and ruin that moment and immediately <laughs> take it away from him. And all the, suddenly all the headlines from double or nothing were like, Oh, John Moxley's now in AEW, John Moxley, this Moxley, that, and you can feel the frustration and jealousy that Kenny has over Moxley's attention and something that was supposed to be his night, something that was supposed to be his moment was just immediately taken by Mox. And that's basically the foundation for what the storyline grows into and um, eventually becomes in the Lights Out match. So they face off at full gear. There's a lot of storytelling in this. I like the little spots that are in this match. Like Kenny grabs like a, a bag of like glass, which is a reference to like the glass table they both fell into mm-hmm. the first night of dynamite. They're like mouse traps. There's like wires. They go through like a spotlight. It's great. And then like they both fall into like a table full of barbed wires. And you just start seeing a sadistic side to Kenny's character to the point where the young bucks and Adam Page are like, hey, what are you doing? We're not, mm-hmm. are you sure you want us to pull this table out for you? regarding the barbed wire table and this is just the start of what we see Kenny Omega go through for the first couple of years of AEW yeah it's like it's a slow build it's a really great build but it's a slow build towards his eventual um crowning as the AEW champion over a year later and that's where his character really kicks off and I was actually there live for this match. So um, I went down to Baltimore for full gear. It was incredible. I was in the nosebleeds during it, but that match was just amazing live. And I remember just being like so shocked and so into the storytelling that it did. I'm sure being there live really helps with the connecting to it too. Yes. Like the everyone around you reacting to it. Like it's like a visceral thing to be right there. I find it hard to rate matches at that I'm at in that way, because in the moment, I'm like, oh my God, this was the most amazing thing. And then like, and no one else thinks that. Maybe it was just, just being there. Um, I like this pick. I think Moxley's realness, his grit and, and mm-hmm. all that, um, it makes for good storytelling and it makes for really feeling, I, I believe him as a person. I believe that's who Moxley is. He's not playing a character is not dressing up and you know cosplaying that's just that's the dude 
that he is at home with Renee, um, but just less violent. <laughs> and then, you know, he just <laughs> does his thing and it really helps this kind of story. E- excellent pick. So we are on a roll here. You. And you picked two of your current favorites for number two. Yes. And my number two was some of my older favorites. I went with Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair, WrestleMania 24. Which that is an excellent pick. I know mm-hmm. some people think the some of the dramatic stuff is corny, but it, it I'm all for it. Um, so it's funny that you said that Shawn Michaels was your childhood favorite because he was also my childhood favorite, but a very you know, a different era of him. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the new generation era, the rockers era. Um, and then before that, when I was younger, it was Ric Flair was my favorite. Like when I was first kind of introduced to wrestling, I was like, that wow. guy, he's so smart. He's so cool. Uh, he outsmarts the big guys. And then to see their careers like converge at this point and to know that this is the end for Ric Flair though it wasn't really. Um, I just, I, I refuse to believe that any other matches with Ric Flair happened after this. Mm-hmm. Um, such a perfect send-off. He did not wrestle after this. This is awesome. Um, and <laughs> like, it's such a, it's like a, a goodbye, you know, is going to happen. You know, who's going to win this. There's like a sadness. Um, it's a bittersweet moment. It's like a celebration of Ric Flair, but um, but also a send off and the moment, the like very famous moment where he says, where Shawn Michaels says, I'm sorry, I love you and kicks him in the mouth. Um, that is one of the most powerful images I've seen storytelling wise. Mm-hmm. I know some people have sort of tried to copy that and not done it as well, or that kind of <laughs> melodramatic, but like, to me, that's the melodrama that worked for that moment and for those people. Um, it's odd because it, the more I've learned about Ric Flair's like real life has kind of, you know, discolored that feeling. Yeah, that had. for sure. Um, but I, I feel like I can kind of separate, you know, this is mm-hmm. the performer and this moment. And then there's this real life person, um, who I don't love as much. I feel like, you know, don't meet your heroes is like very true. A lot of my favorite wrestlers I probably wouldn't get along with. Um, But that being said, this is another rewatchable one. Um, Feels like a little mini drama movie. And um, yeah, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. That's a really good match. That was my favorite match from that mania. And I can think why that match is emotional too is because like because I was such a Shawn Michaels nod and just read mm-hmm. like a lot of like I read his book I've watched the DVDs um you see a lot that he constantly constantly points to Ric Flair as one of his inspirations like he mm-hmm. loves his work um I think he was holding up like a pro wrestling illustrated of Ric Flair on the cover in one of his really old pictures like Ric <laughs> Flair was his hero to him and I can't imagine Sean learning that he is going to be the one to yeah. retire Ric Flair. And I can't imagine being in that position. That's just at a show of that amazing. size too. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it's similar in the sense that, that, that you mentioned the Shawn Michaels Undertaker, which happens like right after that. 
Mm -hmm. um, the big stage, the big like special moment. You can, you're real. Well, I would say you can only have one retirement, but that's not true. <laughs> you're supposed <laughs> to have one retirement. You're supposed to have mm -hmm. one streak end or whatever. Like those th things really help make it powerful and special. Cause there's like a million matches where somebody wins, somebody loses. But if there's something historic happening, that definitely elevates it. So here we are already at number one. Um, we've had a little more overlap than I thought. We can talk about that later. Um, but you have one more, Carol. Who is your number one match for made you feel emotional? The number one match that made me feel emotional was another match that I have been, I am super grateful that I was there live for. I still can't believe on some days that I was actually in the building for this. And that would be Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus the Young Bucks at Revolution 2020. Oh, I did not know you were there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Omega, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that... Um, like the full gear match, this match lays the foundation for eventually what would come later. And there was a lot of fantastic like storytelling going into this that made it so emotional. For the one thing, it's Kenny and Hangman and the Young Bucks together in a match. Um, I think a common theme that we've talked about um, during this podcast is um, when wrestlers know each other and really are familiar with their athletics and what they like in storytelling you can create emotional amazing matches from this and mm -hmm. that is exactly what this match does if it's already a great match alone if you have no idea what the story is you're just the first time yes. viewer and you're just seeing the athletics it's a great match alone but if you're someone who has watched bte and has really followed the development of AEW, has really followed these wrestlers for years they throw a ton of easter eggs into this match where I was like, oh my God, they referenced Coda or oh my God, they mm. referenced that other guy. And it's just amazing because you just really see how much the lore of these characters have grown over the years laid out into half an hour. Like, I think the embodiment of what AEW is and what BTE was or is, is in this match. And for, again, someone like me who has followed these people for a very long time, I got emotional watching this match because I was like, oh my gosh, mm. this... I've been following these guys for years. It just felt like a reward for paying attention <laughs> to so many details. I felt very much rewarded and felt justified in like reading into a lot of different clues on BTE because I know some people are like, oh, well, it can't be that deep. Like BT can't mm -hmm. really be that deep, but, it, but it, it is like, you could still get a great story out of it. But if you're someone who loves dissecting clues and secrets and decoding Easter eggs, like this is the stuff I live for. This is what I really, really love in wrestling matches and just wrestling in general. Yeah. And I think one of the things that is su successful from the Bucks and Omega is that they've tapped into that need to, to piece together little details and the fans like yourself, you follow every single thing you watch the backstage stuff. You, you do this. And then, like you said, you get rewarded because they, they allude to all the things. I, I'm sure I missed a lot, you know, as a fan who doesn't, but mm -hmm. it was still this incredible. I can just the in rings, the general in ring story I could get, and and obviously it was super good. It was the voices of wrestling match of the year that year. Mm -hmm. um, so just on the pure wrestling, great. Um, 
So it's pretty awesome to hear that for the super fan, they're catering to those people with little um, little nuggets here and there. Yep. Because it's like a basic story that like you could follow on AEW Dynamite. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what I love about it. Like make wrestling, I think wrestling needs to achieve this balance where it's accessible to newcomers, but at the same time, they kind of just throw some nuggets here or there for people who had been watching for a long time. So I actually went to Revolution with a friend who had just started watching AEW. And so she was just starting to like get to know the characters, starting to learn about who Kenny mm-hmm. and Adam Page were, and she was rooting for them throughout the match. And so by the end of it, she was like, oh my God, this is like my favorite wrestling match that I've seen so far. Like the athletics were amazing yeah. and I could understand the story. And that's just the impact it's had on someone who hasn't been detuned to the product as much versus someone who found it, who found that match impressive for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what wrestling matches should do. Yeah, I think Marvel does that too, where mm-hmm. I will like, you know, watch one movie and skip like eight of them and watch another one. And I'm like, oh, that was just a good action, character driven story. Um, but then I hear the super fan be like, well, there was this thing and this thing. And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> I, I didn't know that, but I, <laughs> I still enjoyed it. Um, so there's, definitely a, some people doing that balance um great let's head then to my number one which as i was putting together kind of surprised me but then i was like re-watching the highlights and i was like yes this is number one magumi kudo versus shark Sachuya, uh fmw 1997 wow so magumi kudo just she just brings out emotion for me because her whole thing her best stuff is her suffering. She's getting beat up. She's getting bloodied. Um, she looks like she's going to lose and she just keeps fighting and fighting. And she's super good at this. Um, so this match here is one of the many like exploding barbed matches that she did. Yes. And I think one of the best elements of that is the tension and the intensity. And, you know, um, you know there they're going to fall into barbed wire. They're going to have an explosion, but the anticipation of it is, is a big part of that. So the, one of the emotions I'm feeling first is just um, worry, I guess, for the, for Megumi. I'm feeling like dread and Mm -hmm. a, a bit scared, I guess. And then to see her get beat up. So shark just, I mean, she tortures her. She's, she has a sickle, and she cuts her head open. She spits fire in her face. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is so, this is so much. There's no way she's going to overcome this. Um, so I, that sells me. And then mm-hmm. Kudo eventually pushes back and pushes back and is the, and is the, the hero you root for. Um, she did that in several matches. But this one clicked in a, in a lot of ways for me. Um, one I can go back to. In a highlight version or the full thing and still feel a lot of those um those feelings that's really good that like that match was able to like exhibit emotions out of you like that i think i've actually seen that match not like entirely but, like mm-hmm. in highlight clips or compilations because like i love watching death matches <laughs> so i think i've seen that like sprinkled in between like the highlight clips oh. that i'll watch and i feel um, like i should watch that full match let me double check that the full thing is on 
YouTube before I um, recommend it to folks, but I feel like a lot of these defunct promotions are not caring about that. Mm-hmm. So you can watch AJW, you can watch FMW. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is. Uh, the full <laughs> match is on YouTube. Um, Yay. And then it oh, looks like, oh, this is the highlight package I was watching earlier um, to refresh my memory, which is quite good too. Which is like another category. Maybe it's another episode of like, <laughs> you know, tributes or music videos or video packages that people, the fans have made that make you yeah. feel something because, um, you know, someone made one for Owen Hart once. And I was like, um, just all the feelings about that. They made that so beautiful. Um, but that's another topic for another day. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at our list. We did have some overlap with wrestlers, but not matches. Um, Kara number five did Rey Mysterio versus Kurt Angle versus Randy Orton. Number four, Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. Number three, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. Number two, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Number one, Omega and Hangman Page versus The Bucks. Uh, first thing I should have known that um, you being Omega's best friend and all, he would appear <laughs> on here and twice. Um, but I did like that it was sort of a, the list is sort of a journey, not in order, you're going flashback, but like Carol's fandom, her discovery, your discovery of wrestling of different elements, um, different layers. So it kind of went through your eyes there. And my number five, was Hyper Masao versus Rika Tatsumi. Number four, Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Number three, Kevin Steen versus El Generico. Number two, Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair. Number one, Kudo versus Sachuya. And um, we had Shawn Michaels both list. <laughs> and if you believe that Sami Zayn is the same person as El Generico, as some people have theorized, then um, they both appeared on our list. So <laughs> there you go. Anything surprise you on my end? Let's see. Um, I think your list showed like not, nothing like, it's just like more of a comment, more more than like a surprise thing. But mm-hmm. like, um, I liked your list because like it really shows what you're interested in wrestling and kind of like where your taste lies. So I feel like I learned more about what you enjoy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was when you said Mysterio versus Angle versus Orton, um, that shocked me in a sense because it's not one of those matches that people talk about among the greats. Um, it doesn't get brought up a lot. I definitely enjoyed it. I remember being, you know, into it. Uh, but it's like a personal thing for you, like the timing of it, the the who they are which is sometimes the case for wrestling. Like something hits you a certain time, certain way. Yeah. Like um, sometimes just things click. Like it's just a factual answer for me. It's like when I, it's like when I realize, oh, why am I, I'm booing Randy Orton a lot. I don't (laughs) like this person. Oh, that's what a heel is. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's what a heel is supposed to make me feel. Absolutely. Um, And then Ray on the opposite side of that, uh, so easy to cheer for mm-hmm. and some Kurt Angle thrown in there one of the I always love Kurt Angle one of the best 
Um, that time of period in general is kind of emotional just because you had, you lose Benoit yeah. and then Eddie. Mm -hmm. And like, I think a lot of fans kind of question like, so like, do I want to keep doing this? Like attach yourself to this person and love this thing. And then like heartbreak and like, see like the real life like tear you down. Um, I know I stepped away for a little bit. I had some friends like um, one of my best friends, like stop wrestling all together. So I'm watching wrestling wow. at that time and then came back maybe the last couple of years just wow. because, I mean, it's like, wrestling can be a very dark place sometimes and um like you're like i'm gonna be a part of this i don't know do i want to be i i think it's worth it i think that um there's so many good things happening especially now i think there's a culture sh change in a lot of ways from yes. you know when i was a kid all, all the wrestlers did coke and all the wrestlers like <laughs> um you know were cheating on their wives and like just being like gross people um the wrestlers of today are drinking smoothies and like playing video games and stuff. So it's, it's a, it's a whole different ball game, which is going to help yeah. them live longer and have better lives. And hopefully we'll have less kind of of those dark moments. It's made me very introspective. I think this is like an episode that I really needed. Cause like, um, I know I can doubt like a lot of my like fandom mm. and how I engage with it. Um, so like my journey in wrestling has been like very fascinating because I came in around the middle of the ruthless aggression era. So this is like around 2005, well, fall of 2005. Mm -hmm. And so I was watching SmackDown. Eddie was my favorite for like a month or two before he passed away. So that was, th that was definitely like the first time that I saw, even though I couldn't understand it back mm -hmm. then and didn't have the language to seeing some of the darker side of wrestling and it was just such a very sad thing to be exposed to um as someone who was just getting into it but then Shawn Michaels and Rey Mysterio fought each other on that tribute show and that exposed me to both of those wrestlers at the same mm. time they were both on my list and it was just so meaningful to have that light when the industry was just so dark back then and I think like those two really, really introduced me to storytelling aspects of wrestling and why I love it so much today. And then you have these wrestlers just come and go, like Shawn Michaels obviously retired. Rey Mysterio is still wrestling for WWE, but I believe he was like part-time for a while. Mm -hmm. And then you just learn more about why matches or why certain wrestlers or why certain trips are so emotional for you, which then leads me to like finding Kenny and the Bucks and the Elite and them personifying everything that I was pretty much looking for in wrestling at the time. So it's just yeah. this really fascinating journey that I've been on. That's definitely has, it's definitely had its lows, but I can say that the highs are absolutely worth it. Yeah. That's a great note. I think to, um, to wrap things up on, um, I hope other people felt similar the, the way you said you felt. Um, and Carol, next time, let's not make it a year before you come <laughs> back on again um you're one of my favorites I just i love the way you think about things and um pick things apart um so let's do this again absolutely thanks for coming on um and thanks for listening at home folks until next time
Cheers. Bye.